Welcome to the Philly Prime Podcast. I'm Dave Schratweiser. The story that's still top of mind across Philadelphia is the mass shooting now 10 days ago in Philadelphia that left five people dead. People still talking about it. The city's still talking about it. Arrests have been made. Uh, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of moving pieces still with this as it all gets break, broken down. So we're going to dig into it a little bit deeper today. And I'm honored to have on the show Deputy Police Commissioner Frank Van Orr. I've uh, been friends with him for a long time, 34 years, I believe, Frank, in the police department. Uh, former chief of investigations, now the deputy commissioner in charge of investigations. He's got one of those big offices on that big floor with everybody else up there. Frank, thanks for coming on the show. All right. Thank you for having me. Good to, good to hear from you, Dave. Right. Frank, um, let's talk a little bit. Uh, can you update us a little bit on the on the mass shooting where we're at? Uh, Kim Baker uh, uh, is, is in prison at this particular time. Kim Brady character, I should say, 40 years old. Uh, charged with five counts of murder here. Kind of where's the investigation at right now? Well, the investigation uh, since Monday, last Monday, uh, has been moving forward. Obviously, you know, we responded to a calls for a mass shooting. Uh, when police arrived, uh, it was chaos. Uh, they they encountered, we, we knew we had at least at the time, um, multiple victims. A couple weren't shot. They were cut with glass. Um, but right. we had four that, that wound up being transported to the hospital and, and later died of their injuries. Two were non-fatal injuries. One was a two-year-old uh, and uh, that was shot uh, non-fatally. So really some heroic stories in this uh, and some chaos that went on during the course of this. Now, uh, while we were at the scene, uh, obviously it's been a story now for, for a, a few days. Um, we were alerted to another um, shooting victim inside a home. Uh, which was discovered about three hours, 45 minutes later. Um, so that made five total uh, deceased shooting victims that night that we encountered. So as the okay. shooting, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to, I was going to ask you kind of um, talk a little bit about the police response to this. Um, officers didn't fire a shot here and took him into custody. He was wearing body armor, carrying an AR 15 style weapon, and a uh, polymer 80, I believe, nine millimeter. Uh, we're going to talk about ghost guns in a minute. Both are, were ghost guns, but police come upon him and make the arrest, and there was no uh, exchange of gunfire with police. Yeah, first and foremost, I got to say, I watched a lot of the video to this incident. I don't know if I've seen every single moment, but we, we did good compilations where we could see as much as we could see, piecing together body camera, stores, uh, ring camera, and uh, one, one incident uh, that I could tell you about is one of the uh, female officer responds, a uh, woman who's driving her car, three of her kids are in the back, two two-year-olds uh, and a 10-year-old. Uh, two of them are cup of glass. One of them is actually shot in the left leg. Um, that officer realized they were in car seats. It was going to take time to transfer them to her car. She jumped in and drove that car to the hospital. Never seen that before no. in 34 years. Uh, got them no. there quick and everybody... Uh, you know, was treated uh, and survived from that car. So uh, intelligence work, uh, really, really smart and uh, common sense. And she and we usually obviously don't jump in other people's cars and drive them. So yeah. emergency situation. And she did everything she could uh, to save them, calm them down and make sure those children got out of harm's way. So great, great job. Uh, moving forward to the to the arrest uh, the incident goes on for some time. Um, and uh, what happens next is you see uh, officers moving, traversing through, uh, listening to the 911 calls, which are coming out 
block by block. You know, he's walking around the neighborhood in different blocks. Uh, one of the officers who's moving down the street looks down the alley um, right around Frazier between uh, between a couple of the streets mm-hmm. there, sees Chester and Frazier, sees what he believes is somebody moving. It's very overgrown there. Um, he moves towards the individual in the alley. He alerts the other officers that are uh, behind them in the street. Someone's here. He says, I see a rifle. He, the male immediately surrenders. He moves in and without utilizing any force at all, he takes that male into custody. So outstanding job by the, by the officers uh, that responded. Um, and, and, you know, throughout the incident, you've seen one incident after another where they were doing everything they can uh, to try to save lives. Yeah. Um, I know you guys have been doing a lot of background on uh, Mr. Carricker, and uh, there just seems to be a building a mental health issue with him leading up to the shooting. Uh, uh, Bilal Quayam, I was talking to this week, talked about a ticking time bomb kind of situation here. This guy was apparently walked around his house with a bulletproof vest on, had some guns, without shootings. There was some social media posts. He, he seemed to be edging towards this uh, kind of thing. Uh, Might have been helpful if somebody would have called you guys and given the police or the someone in the city and uh, you know a quick heads up that this guy might be boiling over. Right, especially now that we're, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. But uh, yes, you know. Uh, now that we're doing these interviews and we're talking to people that were around him, you know, now they're saying that he, he was becoming more agitated. Um, definitely, you know, walking around with guns and marching around was something he did often from what we were told. But the way he was doing it, the manner in which he started doing it in the last few days before uh, July 3rd uh, was something that definitely we were we would hope in the future if people see something like that, it's a red flag and they let us know so we can try to get our mental health delegates involved and our our teams of police officers and delegates together to try to take that person to get help. Yeah, and Frank, the department now has, we've talked about this before when you were on the show, uh, mental health advocates who actually go out with the police on particular calls to help engage people like this and settle it peacefully without any violence. Yes, and that, that, uh, that model's under Deputy Dales now. Um, they work together in every division those type of calls are being screened through our 911 system if they know it, it, it's a change of mental status or some kind of mental health issue is suspected those officers are immediately um will, along with the mental health delegates that ride with them dispatched right. and they try to intervene in those cases uh so we don't escalate or use force that we don't have to yeah uh one of the headlines we showed before was the inquirer had a piece about he shot through the door of one of the victims and was identifying himself as a law enforcement person. Is that accurate, accurate information? So, so that particular incident through our investigation, we determined happened on actually Sunday morning at 1230 AM. We had thought when mm-hmm. we had covered uh, Joseph Wamba um, that he was shot along with the other four victims, same caliber gun, right. everything's the right. same. So we assumed looking at that scene when, when he was, we were alerted that he uh, was there, um, that he was shot with everyone else. We actually have video of the offender walking right by his house. We don't see him shooting, but we don't have every right. shooting moment on video. Um, okay. What we find out from the ME is that that he had been there about 30 to 34 hours before the others were were uh, pronounced. So that mm-hmm. that tell leads us to, to uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. We started to look. It was very difficult because we didn't see a 911 call. It turned out to be an error. Um, but when we did finally zero in on the time, we were able to find some corroborating evidence to show that and why he picked out 
that address, that person, we have no idea. He, he does uh -huh. yell something out like sheriff or police. He, he shoots at the door and then eventually enters and shoots that individual in his home and then flees the area. So uh, um, we're just that the motive to this entire thing is still in question. We just don't know why he would have selected yeah. that person. And, and Deputy, as far as I know, there's no links between any of these victims and, and either him or, or the, each other, anything like that. These just look like five innocent people who are, who are gunned down. Not that we found at this time. Right now, we're still working on that, but we don't see any links, any connections, any arguments, anything that pre preceded this incident. Yeah, okay. Um, the other big issue here is the ghost gun factor. You spent a lot of time talking at the press conference last week about this. Bring us up to speed. There were two weapons involved, an AR-15, and I believe it's a 9-millimeter nine, a nine polymer 80, they call it. These are ghost guns. For those folks listening for the first time about ghost guns, you can buy them over the Internet. They come in pieces. You must assemble them. There's no serial number. There's no background check. And they are becoming more and more popular last year. Frank, you and I talked about statistics. 575 ghost guns linked to violent crimes last year in the city of Philadelphia, almost double the year before kind of situation. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the use of the ghost guns here. Right. And, and that trend is continuing. We're at uh, right around 300 now. Uh, that's up over 9% uh, from where we were at the same time last year. So we're moving We're moving to have even a bigger year than we had uh, with recovering crime guns that are ghost guns. But uh, when someone is not eligible to buy a firearm, and Mr. Carriker would not have been um, because of his history, uh, what uh, they could do, and it's, it's legal, is order these parts, and then anyone with the instructions could put them together. Um, what's illegal is... Once it becomes a gun, he's not permitted to carry it. Uh, he didn't have a permit to carry, and he's not uh, uh, permitted to buy it. So it, it becomes illegal at that point. But uh, it's a loophole in the law. Uh, a lot of states around the country are seeing this problem because um, we really can't, without legislation, uh, restrict it. So it's a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we're trying our best to get them out of the way, get them off the street, have people uh, let us know if they know somebody is... Uh, selling them, putting them together, because it's something that we're trying to get in front of. I know the city has filed some litigation against a few of those companies. Um, yeah. You know, that's active, and, and I can't really talk about that. But, the um, yeah. you know, the, this is entirely into trying to suppress this issue, which is a, it's an issue for us. Um, Governor Josh Shapiro, when he was in the AG's office, had a gun strike force along with the city. Uh, they made a lot of arrests, uh, your police department, the DA's office and the AG's office. Uh, a couple of times, I think they went into houses and found 30 or 40 or 50 boxes of ghost gun parts and stuff like that that had been assembled and were now being sold out on the street. That's how prolific this is right now. Yep. And and that task force still exists. Some new players in place. Um, really good. Um, I deal with them all the time, but we're working really hard to continue that practice. Uh uh, and some of them are ex-Philadelphia police detectives I've worked with for many, many years, and they're doing a, mm -hmm. an outstanding job. But it's uh, it's a lot. It's a lot to take on. It's going on in different places throughout the not only Philadelphia but the Commonwealth, and they're they're working both inside Philly and outside to try to curtail the gun problem. And some of these gun shows, you can go. You can't buy all the pieces at one uh, vendor, but you can buy the pieces at different vendors inside the gun shows. People are doing that going home and putting them together. And the beauty of all this on the negative side is that there's no background check. 
And I believe that's now the basis of this lawsuit that the city is filing against two gun suppliers, JSD Supply and Polymer 80. Uh, I know you can't get into the details of it. That's for the law department to do. But I'm assuming you're happy to see something like this. Yeah, anything we could do to, you know, suppress some of these guns from getting in the wrong hands uh, will help mm -hmm. us because, as you see, it, it doesn't seem to be any shortage of guns in Philadelphia, especially in the hands of young people. It's 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 terrible. Yeah. Um, pretty good news of late uh, for you guys. Um, murders are down 21 percent from the last numbers I looked at. Shootings are down. Shooting victims are down. Violent crime overall is down 8.29%. Carjackings are down, which have been a real plague on the city the last two years. The only number that I see kind of up significantly is auto thefts. But let's talk about the violent crime. Uh, your thoughts on the numbers being down? Well, I mean, we moved some pieces around this year. Uh, you know, we tried to get some people out of the office uh, and get them into some of our uh, higher crime areas to make sure that we're addressing uh, issues uh, because it's no secret, Dave, we're short. I mean, we are down quite a few police officers. So doing things the way we've always done, it's not going to work. Uh, so we had to kind of shuffle the deck to get people in position to try to help us. But uh, looking at um, uh, instituting the shooting investigation group, uh, we really put an emphasis on non-fatal shootings. I put some of the best detectives in the city uh, in that unit. We co-located them with Homicide. We're running those investigations pretty much like a homicide. Uh, and and as you know, when a shooting happens, you know, the next shooting is usually retaliation. That shooting could mm -hmm. be connected to a previous homicide. These detectives are kind of working together now. Um, and if, if, if things start to connect, we try to nip those things right in the butt. Both clearance rates are way up than they were. And I think they're feeding off each other. And it's, uh, it's a good thing. I think it could only improve and get better as time goes on. Yeah. And they're equipped with all kind of the latest technology, which kind of speeds up these investigations a little bit. You now have the benefit of body cams on most police officers that's being retrieved right away. You can upload video, I believe, from the street back to headquarters so people can start looking at it faster. You can you know, send photos out to investigators and patrol quicker, that kind of thing. How are those things helping out as well, the technology part of it? They're really, really well. And, and during COVID, I even started having detectives uh, take the body camera with them because we had trouble bringing people into the office, but we continued that. So um, because you run into some of the most knowledgeable and cooperative people when the incidents occur. And so if the detectives could get them down on video right away and say, what happened here? We document that. We upload it. The DA's got it. We already have that role and we don't have to wait, bring them in the office. And then next thing you yeah. know, they decide, you know what? I don't want to give that interview. And we're we're already ahead of the game. So that kind of technology is working out. Our video and, and ballistic recovery technology is getting better and better and better. Uh, the detectives that went out on this case were relentless. They went door to door to door looking for video and then put it together in chronological order so we could kind of see where Mr. Carragher came from, where he was walking yeah. to, how he targeted people, So, which is very important when we present this case in court. Yeah. Can you ballpark for me? How many pieces of video you think you guys recovered in that case? Ballpark. It's a lot. I couldn't even. It's dozens and dozens, dozens? of video. Yeah. 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 Okay. And you, and you and I well know. Yeah. Go ahead. Finish. Yeah. Because ring video is, is so prevalent now. Everybody has it. So, uh, and yeah. but we sometimes have to get a warrant for it. But as we go house to house, you're just picking up video from different systems. You're picking up mm -hmm. store video. 
you know, and, and when things like this start happening, sometimes people cell phone record. And then we got mm -hmm. our real time crime center cameras, which are in the area. And then we got body yeah. camera videos. So as you begin to put that together in one big dashboard, it really helps us. Yeah. Okay. It's no secret district attorney, uh, Larry Krasner likes to have the complete package from you guys. Uh, we won't go into the details on that, but this helps you give them a more complete package. Am I right? He wants the video. He wants the DNA. He wants the fingerprints. He wants the witnesses, but this, this help, that's one of the big factors. He always wants to see the video. Right. And, and video is really our new witness because, you know, a witness could uh, decide they don't want to come to court or make themselves unavailable. The video is going mm -hmm. to be there forever. So uh, that's something in court that we could use and it helps us prosecute mm -hmm. these cases. Okay. Um, homicide's doing pretty good on clearing cases as well. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, are we just doing things better, as you said, with the shooting investigation team? Are we just doing it better with the technology, with the intelligence information? Why is this now starting to come together pretty good? I mean, we're, you know, one, we have less homicides. That always helps. I mean, we're down over 60 murders uh, as of this right. morning. So uh, that's a big help. And, and it helps us give, give more time to work on the cases that are open. Uh, but the technology is a big part of this. Our cell phone uh, examinations. Uh, we're getting more detectives trained on how to pull that information and how to collate it. We're not dependent yeah. on one or two people to do everything. Uh, you know, and we're we're you know we're constantly you know if we get a guy in the shooting investigation group, a girl who's doing a good job, who uh, could fit, uh, we slide them right into homicide. They're they're co-located. So we're keeping those units really staffed uh, the way they should be. Um, and we're sure. So the other places uh, sometimes have to help feed these places and they have to do some um, some double duty to, to fill in the backlog. But these places were really keeping up to speed so that they could try their best to keep murders and homicides from from excelling by, by getting people in custody. And they're located right next to each other, right? So they can communicate one on one if they need to right yep. down the hall. It's the, it's the old press room in the in the uh, in the inquiry building. So yeah, it's a big gigantic room, and we made that into like the big squad room. So from one end to the other, yeah. uh, they're they're at one end, and homicides at the other, all cubicles. Uh, but it's uh, yeah. the captains of both are co-located, and the, the commanding officers. So everybody can talk, and and the intelligence is being shared. They both have analysts. So if we have links, they're immediately seen. It doesn't take weeks and weeks and weeks to figure that out. And we're moving yeah. right on uh, that information. Okay. Um, uh, we were lucky, lucky enough to have about a month ago some of the guys from Major Crimes on. They did a great job on the show. You helped set that up, so I appreciate that. Talk to me a little bit about auto thefts are way up, like 12,483 already this year as of last week. That's almost a 100% increase. Have we figured out what's behind that at this point? What, why such an explosion of auto thefts? And it's the same kind of cars, right? The Kia uh, and, and a couple of other models. Right. Well, I, I guess about a year ago, year and a half ago, some social media uh, stuff came out um, showing people an easy way to steal those type of cars. Mm -hmm. um, since then, uh, they've remedied that in the newer models they made. But there's a there's a period of time where, uh, you know, once you know how to do it, it becomes very easy to do. So those right. companies did uh, give us uh, some clubs, some old fashioned clubs to to slow that down. And some of the stuff is beginning to slow down, but unfortunately we had a really nasty run of stolen vehicles in the beginning of the year, which is driving the numbers. But the other, the other thing that's going on here is, and it's no secret, um, you know, the uh, cars, the uh, um, newer cars are, 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 you know, they're being produced slower. 
So people are, are really hanging on to their used cars and cars are, have become very expensive to buy. It's hard to get one. So mm -hmm. it, it drives up the market supply and demand. So it's something that we're, we're totally concentrating on and trying to, uh, trying to get a handle on. Okay. Another positive thing, uh, you guys have been banging down pretty hard on the catalytic converter thefts, which have been plaguing Philadelphia for like the last five years. And the numbers kept going up, going up, and that kind of thing. I know Major Crimes was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Couldn't give me too much detail because something was about to happen. Well, it happened last week. Bucks County, Montgomery County, you guys all joined together, took down a major crew that was doing catalytic converter thefts. Uh, your thoughts about that? Well, uh, we know that that crew, it was a big part of what was going on with uh, catalytic converter thefts. And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Since that uh, arrest and those takedowns, we took over the uh, uh, the business who was actually in Philadelphia that was buying them, which was a big part mm -hmm. of this. And they must have been a major part of, of buying them throughout the area. But since we did that takedown, we did a 30-day comparison looking at you know May 3rd to June 1st before the, the arrest. And then the recent mm. month now, we're down over 50%, almost 60%. So okay. um, that that's a major a major reduction in, and some districts are down, you know, 70, 80, 90% in catalytic converter thefts. So yeah. um, they, I don't know if there's a market for it or they're trying to find where they could sell it, but they're not going to take a chance and steal it and and face the wrath of this while it's going on. Uh, so yeah. it's a good thing. We've, we've reduced it, at least, at least in Philadelphia, uh, right now by, by a big number. Yeah, this actually looked like an organized crime enterprise uh, when they kind of laid out the chart, the guys who were running it, the next level who were taking it, the people they were getting to rip them off, the people they were using to sell them to, and then the junkyards and salvage yards that were buying them. It's the metal inside, right? That's the valuable piece of this that people are, that's what they're going for. Yeah, precious metals inside. They're, they're, they're uh, selling that for that reason. Very expensive item for the for the consumer to replace. Um, it kind of ruins your your week because one, you have to replace it and pay for it too. Your car is pretty yeah. much uh, uh, very loud and, and able to use. So it's a it's a major quality of life issue. So we're we're hoping to, that it it continues to go in a downward slope because of this. Uh, some of these people we're working on without laying too much out or cooperating with us. So we're hoping yeah. that this leads to other people. And we keep this going, but it was a it was a great investigation by the major crimes people working along with Bucks and Monco. Uh, it was a great group of people working together, and uh, FBI jumped in. State police it was a really good group. Yeah. Okay, the DA the other day held a news conference, put out photos of eight people they're looking at for a series of murders, not necessarily connected in Northeast Philly. Um, those pictures got plastered all over the place. Um, you guys do that all the time. It was good to see the district attorney's office kind of jumping in here now and putting those faces out there so people can call in and give you information. Your, your thoughts about that? Well, you know, as, as you know, the clearance rates are high, but we, we have a lot of warrants for these people that we need to, we need to get. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that don't, not only the murders, but we have over 43 warrants that the shooting investigation group has. So we bring those in and that shoot, that clearance rate jumps even higher. So, that's something that's really important, getting that information out, letting people know any homicide, there's a $20,000 reward the city offers. Uh, it's important to get that out there, get that information in. We work hand in hand with the marshals. I have detectives detailed yep. for the marshals. They're constantly looking for tips and information. So any, you know, anytime, remember years ago, we used to use the bulletin boards on 95 and, 
Right. Comcast had a channel that ran our wanted people 24-7. That's not the same now, but anytime we can get it out there, it, it helps us. Okay. Also noticed, and, and uh, I could be wrong, but I, I think I'm right. Um, the number of these gatherings on highways and at intersections where they're doing donuts and figure eights and large crowds are gathering seem to have died down since the incident on I-95 where that young man unfortunately lost his life, um, but tried to run over two police state troopers at the time. We'll get into the details there. It's still under investigation. Um, but your thoughts on that? Has it started to slow down? Is the message starting to get out that you guys aren't going to tolerate gatherings like that anymore? Well, I hope so. And we're even, uh, between me and you, we're stepping to some of the promoters. Uh, in fact, yeah. two of my, some of my people along with the FBI just came back uh, because we had some intel that there could be one coming up. Knocked at some mm -hmm. doors. Just let them know. There's new legislation. We're going to take as many cars as we can if you participate right. in it. And we're going to do everything we can if somebody gets hurt or illegal activity occurs to arrest not only those doing it, but the people that promoted it. Yeah. Uh, and you, you guys have taken some cars. Talk about that a little bit. Well, now there's legislation showing that if you participate in this sliding, if you block the highway, if you do these things, we're going to confiscate the vehicle and it's going to be like a forfeiture. They're going to have to go to court and, and attempt to get it back. And and we're notifying insurance companies, too. So we're letting mm -hmm. some of these parents know that we encounter and we talked to a few of the parents today that if they come, you know, we're also going to send a nice letter to the insurance company, your insurance company, let right. you know what you're doing with that vehicle. So I'm sure they're going to really like to hear that. And it could could affect their premiums or everything else they got. So we're trying to keep people safe. We're trying to keep it from happening. Doesn't need to happen. And what happened earlier this summer, uh, yeah. there was five, six hundred cars. I mean, let's face it. I don't know what we're going to do with that. Anything we do to try to intercept that is going to wind up being bad for both sides. So yeah. uh, we'd like it to just not happen, period. Um, also, you guys have made some progress. There was some guys boosting cars from the rental lots out at the airport. Some of them were using parts from those cars to participate in the events you just talked about. Some of them were using those cars to commit other crimes, that kind of thing. I, there was a couple of arrests uh, in that area as well from the cars that are being stolen at the rental lots. Right. And 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 a lot of those cars were being taken have, you know, obviously they're rented cars. They have GPS monitoring on them. So we were recovering most of them. Yeah. Um, but they were, it started out where they were just taking the bus down to the rental lot and just driving out with the bus, with the cars, the keys are in the cars. So then the next, when we, we they fortified that problem, um, the next thing they would do is uh, bus through the gate. So one of the cars would get damaged, they would just leave it there and they drive the other four out. Well, when they put up a, a more solid uh, secured uh, gate, they were pointing a gun at the attendees. So you put out, you actually had a news conference, put out some video a couple of weeks ago, of that guy holding the gun right up to the guy at the, at the booth there, telling him to open the gate for him and five cars followed him out. Right. So, you know, but, but we have police down there working along with, uh, with the attendants. So that, that has slowed down. We have made several arrests uh, with people driving those vehicles. So we're hoping to, uh, that that comes to an end very quickly, but, then again, they're just looking for cars and any way they can get a car easily. In the beginning, it was easy. And then they started uh, raising the uh, the violence bar by pointing a gun. So uh, it's 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 certainly something we're paying close attention to. Okay. Deputy Van Orr, uh, always good to talk to you. Thank you for coming on the show. Giving us 30 minutes of your valuable time to kind of talk about all the things that are going on, the investigations, the progress, things like that. We appreciate your time. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show. All right. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. Thank you again.
Appreciate that. That's it for Philly Prime for this week, folks. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.